Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Our well-being, our future blessing is contingent upon our connection to Jesus Christ. If we are bound to Jesus, if we have done as he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, if we have done that, then we're going to find that there is a blessing ahead of us. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Isaiah chapters 50 through 51. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Like I said, we go through the dry seasons or whatever, but then, you know, we do sometimes go through times where things are dark. We go through times of confusion. We go through times of not understanding why things are the way they are. Why have things happened like this? And we're in this place where we just have no light. We feel like we're just, you know, by ourselves, just shuffling along in in a dark place. And we're not even sure what's in front of us. We don't know what's behind us. We We don't know where we're going. And... That is a real experience that Christians have. Christians have those kinds of experiences. You know, sometimes we mistakenly think that, well, you know, once you become a Christian, everything is just great. Everything is rosy. Life is fantastic. You never have any problems again. That is just simply not reality. That is not true for Christians at all. Um, You know, when you become a Christian, in so many ways, your life improves drastically And of course, the greatest is that you're given eternal life and your sins are forgiven and you will never perish. But, you know, in in other ways, you kind of inherit a whole nother set of problems that you didn't have before. You have an enemy now that it's really on the prowl to try to bring you down. And you have circumstances in your life that are going to be there to try you. And you're going to have people that aren't going to understand you and they're going to oppose you and resist you. So these things come along and sometimes you know, especially if you go into it with the wrong idea that somehow now that I've become a Christian, everything's just going to be so wonderful and easy and smooth. But, you know, pretty soon you find yourself in the darkness. That is part of the experience of following Jesus in a world that is in rebellion to God and a world that's under the dominion of darkness. That's part of the experience. So here's the question. What do we do? What do we do when, I, when we find ourselves in that place of, of walking in darkness, no light? Well, here's what we do. Let him, let her, let them trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his or her God. And here's the, the picture here in the, the wording. You could, you could actually word this let them trust in the Lord and let them lean into, you know, that idea of just leaning into somebody, 
you know, somebody might say, you know, maybe, maybe a parent to a child or, or, or a friend or, or somebody that, you know, here you are in confusion, darkness, weakness, and they're, they're not there. They're, they're strong. And they just say, you know what? Just lean into me. Don't worry. Just lean into me. Come on. I, I will help you. I will pull you through this. That's the picture right here. So what do we do when we, we feel like, you know, I know I'm a believer. I, I know I love the Lord, but, but why am I in this darkness? Just keep trusting. That's the point. Just keep trusting and press further into the Lord. The temptation comes during those times to pull back. Sometimes you think, well, what's the use? I, I you know, God, God's abandoned me or something like that. Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us. So we have to stand on that. And by faith, we lean into the Lord. This passage is really meaningful to me because I've lived it many times over. And, and I remember, I can almost remember the first time I ever really understood what it was saying because it, it does seem a little confusing. I mean, like what, who, who's the servant who walks in darkness? What, what does that even mean? But then the more I meditated on it, thought about it and came to understand it, it was like, wow, yeah, this is, this is talking about those seasons of, of um, despair and, and depression and, and those real kinds of things. But then that word, let them trust in the Lord. Just keep trusting in the Lord. And you know, you don't have to figure it out. And, and you don't have to keep yourself uh, through these seasons. You can just say, Lord, I am trusting you. I am just, Lord, uh, I, I remember one time in my life where it was a season like this. And I just thought, Lord, only you can keep me afloat. I'm just going to fall back. I even had this picture in my mind. I'm going to fall back and I'm going to trust that you're going to catch me. And you know what he did? And he caught me the next time and he caught me the next time. And he continues to do that because he's faithful. And so then as we read on, look, all of you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and the sparks you have kindled. So what he's doing now is he's contrasting the person who's going to lean into the Lord versus the person who's going to try to do it on their own, or they've got their own way of working it out. And in a sense, it's a picture of leaning on an idol versus leaning on the living God. So, you know, you've got your own light. So, and you know, this is many, many people. Well, I don't need God. Why would I need God? I can figure this out myself. I can do this myself. You know, people who need God are weak. I don't, that's a crutch. I don't need a crutch. I've got my own fire that I can warm myself by. I've got my own light that I've kindled that it's going to show me the way. I've got my own philosophy. I've got my own way of doing things. I, I can do it myself. I hear little kids say that a lot of times, but you know, it's sad when grown-ups say that to God. Um, or in the, in of course, the, the words of Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. But what does the Lord say about the person who adopts that mentality? He says, walk in the light of the fire that and the sparks that you have kindled. You can go ahead and do that, but this you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. You see, in the end, those things can never deliver. And that, that's just a fact. That's a reality. And some people, I think a lot of people experience the, 
the fact that these things don't deliver, some people wake up and realize I'm trusting in the wrong thing because I, I've, I've been trusting in this and it is not delivering. It's not uh, solving the problem. It's not answering uh, the deeper questions. It's not filling the void that's there. Not everybody does that. A lot of people just say, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stoke the fire up a little bit more or I'm going to drill down and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to, myself, I'm, I'm determined. You know, I'm the master of my fate and I'm going to, myself, I'm going to do it. And, um, but, but for those who come to the end of themselves and realize that they can't do it, this is where the help of God comes in. And so the fact is those who trust themselves in their own wisdom and ability and whatever strength or wealth or position, in the end, they will lie down in torment. Now, that was longer than I thought in getting through chapter 50. So let's jump into 51 and maybe we can just get through this one chapter here a little more quickly. Uh, we, we've kind of moved out right now away from the, the messianic emphasis that I was talking about. And now we're going to look again at God speaking to the nation. So I think we can do this fairly quickly and maybe end on time. So Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Now, in this 51st chapter, the Lord, again, he's coming back to the nation in their captivity, and he's promising them that they have a future. He's wanting to give them hope. And so he starts off by saying, hey, look to Abraham, your father. And what he's doing here is he's, he's wanting them to realize how God took Abraham, who was basically a, an idol worshiper in what we would know today as Iraq. He was in the land of Ur of the Chaldees. Uh, he was there as, as an idol worshiper, as a person who wasn't, you know, in a covenant relationship with God, but God did something. God came and he pulled Abraham out of that and he blessed him. And through him and Sarah, he brought the nation into existence. So uh, the prophet is saying, look back at Abraham. If, if you want to know what I'm able to do, how I'm able to take a life and pull someone out of a pit and bless them, uh, that's what I'm going to do for you. And just think about what I did for Abraham. That's what he's saying. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. So again, you know, at this point, they are having a hard time believing that they have a future. And so the prophet as we've seen, he will oftentimes remind them that they do have a future, that God's going to do something for them wonderful in the days ahead. So listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for law will proceed from me, and I will make justice rest as a light of the peoples. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, my arm will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait upon me, 
and on my arm they will trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish like smoke, the earth will grow old like a garment. Those who dwell in it will die in like manner, but my salvation will be forever. So again, God's just promising them a glorious future. My righteousness will not be abolished. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people in whose heart is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men, nor be afraid of their insults, for the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever and my salvation from generation to generation. So those who have oppressed them, those who have made their lives miserable, the Lord is saying that, again, they're, they're going to be removed. They're going to vanish but I will then bless you. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generations of old. I mentioned previously about how the arm of the Lord here in these Isaiah passages is a reference to the Lord himself. And we're gonna see that clearly in the 53rd chapter. But the arm of the Lord would be a reference in an indirect sense to the Savior, the Messiah. Awake as in ancient days, In the generation of old, are you not the arm that cut Rahab apart and wounded the serpent? Are you not the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, that made the depths of the sea a road for the redeemed to cross over? So Rahab here, Rahab, this is a reference to Egypt. And so the prophet is calling upon the Lord to awake, uh, put on strength, O arm of the Lord, just as you did in ancient times, just how the Lord delivered the people from Pharaoh and the captivity there in Egypt. So the call is for the Lord to do in their generation and in the future generation what he had done in the past. And so the redeemed of the Lord, they will cross over They will come back into the land. The ransom of the Lord shall return, come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I even I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die and of the son of man who will be made like grass and forget the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens laid the foundation of the earth. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor when he has prepared to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? So some people believe that this is a reference to the future oppressor that will come, the one we commonly call the Antichrist. And it could be, of course, there were many uh, seasons of oppression that Israel went through even after the Babylonian captivity. But this does often seem to be pointing to their full reconciliation with God and restoration. And therefore, if you look at it in that time frame, then obviously the oppressor would be the one that would be oppressing them at that time, which is, I think, accurately referring to the Antichrist. And so verse 14, the captive exile hastens that he may be loose, that he should not die in the pit and that his bread should not fail. But 
I am the Lord your God who divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundation of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. So again, you see the promise is even though you're in captivity and if we take it out to the future, even though all of these things have happened, God is going to restore Zion. He's going to reestablish them permanently. God's promise to them is that there will be in the future a full and complete restoration for them. So again, awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem. You who have drunk at the hand of the Lord, the cup of his fury, you have drunk the dregs of the cup of trembling and drained it out. There is no one to guide her among all the sons she has brought forth, nor is there anyone who takes her by the hand among all the sons she has brought up. These two things have come to you. Who will be sorry for you? Desolation and destruction, famine and sword. By whom will I comfort you? Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets like an antelope in a net. They are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Therefore, please hear this, you afflicted and drunk, but not with wine. So this is just a description of their um, situation as they came under the judgment of God. So basically they were helpless. There was no one to help. There there was no one to deliver them. And so they see themselves in that helpless state without anyone to deliver them. But verse 22, thus says the Lord, the Lord and your God who pleads the cause of his people, see, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no longer drink it. So God's promising that their judgment has run its course and now he's taking that cup of fury away. They're no longer going to experience the the judgment of God. But I will put it into the hand of those who afflict you, who have said to you, lie down that we may walk over you and you have laid your body like the ground and as the street for those who walk over. And so the Lord is saying that he's going to judge them, as he said many times over. And so here again, we see that these chapters are talking about God's restoration for the nation, his ultimate restoration and blessing upon them. But all of those things are tied to the servant, They're all tied to the Savior. They're all tied to the one who gave his back to those who smote him and did not turn away from shame and spitting. And of course, as I said, we know that these are references to Jesus. And so just like for Israel, their future is wrapped up in the Savior. Their future is all dependent on Jesus, the Messiah. So today the modern state of Israel. They are trying to find a, a, you know, a solution to the problems with their neighbors. They're trying to live at peace. They're trying to just you know, move on and enjoy life like other people do. They, at least they think other people do. And they've got this 
horrific history behind them with all of the sufferings and persecutions and things of that nature. And, and so, you know, they're, they're looking ahead today. But the problem is they continue to look to the future and look away from the Savior. And so their destiny is wrapped up with the Savior. And only when they embrace the Messiah, Jesus, will these things come to fruition. And they will come because they will embrace him. They will embrace him in a, a yet future date. And, and when that happens, like Paul says, the reconciliation of, of Israel, the restoration of Israel will also be the reconciling of the whole world. So when God brings Israel back into the covenant in the future, the whole world will then experience the blessing that will overflow from Israel to all of the nations. But as we close, let me just remind you that what, what is the case for Israel nationally is true for each and every person individually. Our well-being, our future blessing is contingent upon our connection to Jesus Christ. If we are bound to Jesus, if we have done as he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, if we have done that, then we're going to find that there is a blessing ahead of us. There, there's a, a, a blessing just in the, the current relationship we have, but we're moving ever toward that great blessing of God's presence eternally in his kingdom. And that is only possible if we're in a relationship with Christ. And so I want to go back to the passage in John chapter one. It's a great passage. He was in the world and the world was made by him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own people, but his own people did not receive him. But as many as would receive him, to them, he would give the power to become the children of God. And you see, that's what it's all about, becoming a child of God. By nature, we, we're created by God. We're the, we are um, here because God created humanity. But we're born into the world, not as children of God, but we're born into the world separated from God. And so we must be born again. We must uh, become the children of God. How do I become a child of God? As many as received Christ. To them, he gives the power to become the children of God. And so that's where we need to uh, embrace him. If we're going to experience that, that deliverance, if we're going to experience that blessing, if we're going to experience that peace, if we're going to experience that, the meaning and the purpose of life and what that really is all about, all of those things, again, are wrapped up in Jesus. And they all are taking us, like I said, toward a glorious future but we can't get there apart from him. And so if you have not received him, open your heart and just surrender to him. Just say, Lord Jesus, I do receive you. I receive the forgiveness of my sins and I receive you into my life. And when we receive Christ, because he's Lord, that means we're receiving his rule over our lives. That's basically what we're doing. We're saying, Lord, I'm giving you the rule of my life. And you know what? You can never go wrong putting Jesus in the driver's seat. You'll, you'll never go wrong. And until you do that, it'll never be right. 
But the moment you do that, everything changes. For the month of August, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 15 New Testament Words of Life, a New Testament Theology for Real Life by Dr. Nijay Gupta. How can we understand some of the most important concepts in the Bible, and how can those concepts make a practical impact on our lives? In his book, 15 New Testament Words of Life, Dr. Nijay Gupta traces 15 words through the Bible that make an impact on how we live the Christian life. Words like righteousness, faith, and holiness. You'll learn their Old Testament background, discover their relevance during New Testament times, make connections with other passages in the Bible, and realize their practical impact for living life today. This book will help to bring theology to life. If you want to see how some of the most important theological themes in the Bible can come to life for you, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order 15 New Testament Words of Life, a New Testament Theology for Real Life by Dr. Nijay Gupta. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Isaiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.